Hey, good morning, City Church, and happy Palm Sunday. Hey, I just want to welcome everyone who is watching right now, whether you're watching online, whether it's Facebook, Church Online, or YouTube, or uh, you're at one of the many house churches right now meeting across the Capital Region. Uh, I know that it has been an interesting season, uh, to say the least, but it's so cool to be able to see you guys pivot and uh, just really just kind of go with what God is doing right now. And the testimonies and stories that we've been hearing through House Church have been amazing. And so if you are watching online, social media, and you're not in a House Church, I want to encourage you guys to uh, go to citychurchalbany.com, uh, hit the tab, find a House Church, get connected because I really believe God is doing something very unique right now. Uh, also, it is Palm Sunday, and next Sunday is Easter Sunday. And so normally we would gather for a big Easter experience, but this year we're going to host Easter house parties. And so every house church is, is going to be having an Easter party taking place, stuff for the kids. Uh, we're going to have an inspiring word that's going to be brought to you guys as we wrap up our seven series. And I just think overall, it's going to be a different Easter, uh, but it's still going to be given all glory and honor to Jesus Christ. And um, so yeah, so look, we're going to dive into the word today. Uh, we're going to be in John chapter 14. If you got your scripture, I want to invite you guys to turn to John chapter 14. And this is part six of a seven-week series that we have called Seven, uh, looking at the seven I am statements of Jesus Christ. And so John 14, uh, starting in verse 1, going through verse 6, Jesus says, he says, and again, he's talking to his disciples. This is approximately 48 hours before he is crucified. And he says, let not your hearts be troubled. Believe in God, believe also in me. In my Father's house are many rooms. If it were not so, would I have not told you that I go to prepare a place for you? And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and I will take you to myself, that where I am going you may be also. And you know the way to where I am going. And Thomas replied and said to him, Lord, we do not know where we are going. How can we know the way? And Jesus said to him, I am the way the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. Let's pray. Father, I just ask as we dive into your word today that uh, you would just speak, Father God, that you would speak in all the house churches gathered, uh, the discussion that's going to be taking place afterwards to anyone who's watching us online, God, from their home, that you would just speak to them and allow this to be a, a truth from your word, your gospel to go forth, God, and to be able to speak to us uh, to reveal our hearts, uh, and ultimately, God, to be able to draw closer to you. It's in your son's name we pray. Amen. Well, if you guys know me, and most of you do, uh, you know that I love to travel. Absolutely love to travel. Planes, trains, automobiles, um, and, and obviously, I'm a very, very loyal person to Delta. Shout out to all my Delta Airline Sky, um, Sky members, frequent flyers. You guys know what I'm talking about. 
Uh, but lately, I've, I've been doing a lot of traveling back and forth between Albany and Brooklyn, working uh, with our partner church, Res Church, and just seeing what God is doing. And, and they have actually been going through the exact same series and, and lessons and, and, and discipleship pathways as we have here at, at City Church. And so it's just been really cool to see what God is doing, kind of networking all three campuses uh, to one. But with traveling, I've been staying in a lot of hotels. I've uh, been on Amtrak a lot. I've already gotten upgraded on Amtrak two times. Don't know how that happened, but I did. Um, but with all the traveling, and as much as I love it, as much as I love seeing other places, as much as I loved going to Texas, uh, there comes a point where I, late at night, will just get into a hotel room, and I start having a deep longing for home a deep longing for home, to wake up in my own bed, uh, to go to sleep in my own bed, uh, to be able to go to the kitchen in the middle of the night and get a snack if I want to, uh, to be able to play with my kids and, and to be able to just, just have fun. And, and trust me, I'm extremely grateful for this season that God has not only myself but our church in. Uh, but with that, there is this longing and this appreciation for home that comes in. Uh, I, I heard it said once that for people that don't travel, uh, travel looks all sexy. And for people that do travel, they know the struggle and the hurdle that comes with that of getting on an airplane and staying in hotels and um, just being away from the home and the toll that it does on your body, uh, both physically and also mentally. And, and I really do believe there's a point that, that even for me, I get where it's just like, I just want to be home and, and just hang out and just be with my friends, be with my family, be with my kids. And, and thankfully, I've been able to do that the next couple weeks. I'm just kind of just chilling at home and spending time with the family and doing stuff here at City Church. And I'm extremely thankful for that. But this is what Jesus is talking about right here in this passage. He's using words like, I'm going away to my father's house. I'm going to go prepare a house. And he even says, you know, you guys know where, where I'm going. Jesus is talking about preparing a home for all of humanity, preparing a home for you, preparing a home for me that is not of this world. I, I love what C.S. Lewis says, he says, if we find ourselves with the desire that nothing in this world can satisfy, the most probable explanation is that we were made for another world, that we were made for another world. And I think all of us can agree that as much as we do, as much as we have, there's still a longing inside of us for something more. And that's what C.S. Lewis is talking about in his book, Mere Christianity, about there's something so much greater at work that God is doing right now. He is literally restoring creation and calling his children back home. Jesus is saying right here, I'm preparing a home for you. And, and I love Thomas's response because Thomas is like, where? Like, where? Can, can, you, can you lead us to this home? How do, we, how do we know where you're going? And that's where Jesus says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. You know, if you look at Jewish history, 
the culture of Jewish history, the culture of weddings. Weddings were a big deal uh, in the traditional Jewish culture. And, and the way that it would work for a traditional wedding is um, the groom would go to the father of the soon-to-be bride, and uh, he would talk and get his permission, and then he would end up paying uh, the father, or, or essentially giving an offering to the father of the bride, and then propose um, to the bride with the permission of the father. After she said yes, uh, the groom would then go back to his father's house, and he would start to prepare a home for his bride, uh, or his bride-to-be. And during this time, as he was preparing, he wasn't allowed to go get his bride until his father ended up telling him, hey, you're now ready to get married, go get your, go get your bride. And the bride had to be prepared for when the groom ended up showing up. And then they would get married, and they would um, celebrate, and they would do what married people do, and, and have you know, a bunch of fun with that, and everyone would celebrate. And the, the wedding feast would last about five to seven days long. What I love about that is that Jesus calls his church the bride we are the bride of Christ. And this is what we see right here. There's this engagement process that the church has entered with Jesus Christ, where we are engaged to be married to Jesus, uh, to be the bride of Christ. And Jesus, just like in the Jewish tradition, has returned back to his home to prepare a place for us. And it even scripture even says, no one, no one knows when Christ will return except for the Father himself. And so Christ can't even return for his bride, us, the church, until his Father says, the home is prepared in heaven. Let's go get the church to come back. And so I just kind of, as, as, as we think about this, we're, we're in between what was and what will be. We're in that engagement season as a church, waiting with anticipation for Christ to come. And so whenever Jesus was talking about, I'm going to provide a home, to build a home, some of the disciples would have known what he was talking about. And, and really it just... <clears throat> It just shadows a traditional Jewish marriage, the way that Christ is going to be married or is married to his church. And so what I want to do is I want to break down this I am statement. I am the way, I am the truth, and I am the life for us in just the remaining couple minutes. And then if you're in a house church, I want to be able to give you guys an opportunity to be able to discuss this as a group. But, but Jesus says very clearly, I am the way. I am the way. Meaning, if, if you want to go home, if you want to go home and you want to go to a place where you have peace, where you have joy, where you are fulfilled and everything is satisfied, I am the way. The only chasm that is in between us and that home is our sin and death itself. And, and Jesus paid the price for all of us, thus creating a way for us to be able to, to go home. His second statement is, I am the truth. I am the truth. It, meaning Jesus was the embodiment of grace and truth. Colossians 1.15 says, He, being Jesus, is the image of the invisible God. 
Jesus is the image of the invisible God. And so oftentimes we might have conversations like, what is God like? What is the character of God? What is the nature of God? What does God look like? How would he respond to this situation? It's very simple. We can look at the person of Jesus Christ and all of his divinity. We can look at him and we can see that he is the image of the invisible God. He is the image of our heavenly father. And so I want you to think about your own life. Maybe Christ has provided a way for you, and Christ has hit you with the truth. And when Christ does hit you with the truth, what does that look like for you? Well, if we're looking at it through the lens of Jesus, it's coupled with mercy and with grace. It's coupled with mercy and grace. Think about the woman in the well. Uh, whenever, whenever Jesus went up to this Samaritan woman who was fetching water at noonday around the well, and, and she had been married five times, a very, um, very promiscuous woman, for lack of better words, and probably had a full baggage list of things that were going on with her. What did Jesus say to her? I don't condemn you, I don't condemn you. I I am here for you. God has brought me here for you so that you could, it would be revealed to you that I am the Messiah. And surely there will be a day when people come to worship, not on a mountain or in a temple, but they will worship by spirit and in truth. Jesus extended mercy. Jesus extended grace. And her life was transformed. And she went and she told other people, come and meet this man named Jesus and see what he did to me. Grace and truth hitting this woman brought her to a place of conviction. Or, or think about the tax, the tax collectors, right? The, the tax collectors in the Jewish culture were Jewish people who had betrayed their Jewish people, were collecting taxes, sending them to Rome, and Rome would, Rome would come in and they would murder and they would rape their, the, the women in these towns and stuff. And so the Jewish people were enslaved by Rome and, and they had these Jewish tax collectors who had betrayed them. Everybody hates the tax collector back then. Every, it isn't like it's set up now. But Jesus hung out with Matthew, who was a tax collector. Matthew, who was a tax collector. He hung out with Zacchaeus, right? Um, He hung out with all of these different sinners who were outcast to society. Instead of condemning them, he exposed them with the truth, but brought them through grace and mercy. Grace and mercy. Grace and truth. And so we see Jesus being the way for us to get home but Jesus also being the truth, the truth that exposes our righteousness, or should I say our self-righteousness, to the righteousness of Jesus Christ. Listen, if you think that you're a righteous person, even your most righteous act is that of filthy rags. That's, that's what scripture says. The only righteousness that you and that I have is the blood of Jesus Christ. And, and that's it. That is literally the only righteousness that we have. And then the third statement here, I am the way, I am the truth, and I am the life. And yes, he's talking about a life that will come, but he's also talking about a life here on this earth. John 10.10, we read it a few weeks ago, the enemy comes to steal, kill, and destroy, but I have come to bring life and life abundantly. Jesus wants us to enjoy real life right now. And that is both spiritual and physical. It's both spiritual and physical. And I want to talk about the physical for for just a moment. Because oftentimes what happens in our society, within our Christian communities, 
is we put on our Jesus mask and we go to church and we think that everything's fine and we think that we've got it all together and someone asks us, hey, how you doing? Oh, I'm blessed and highly favored brother or sister. It's good to see you. And we give them an air high five because we have these COVID restrictions, right? There's all of that that, that ends up taking place when really deep down more often than not we're struggling or we're experiencing some kind of suffering or we've got a secret or we've got a sin issue that we don't want to end up bringing it. And so we put on a mask going to church and we take it off whenever we get back in the car or we get at home or it's a late Sunday night and no one else is around and you're sitting there scrolling through your phone. You, 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 know, what, you know what this does? us projecting this false narrative out there, man, it physically weighs down on our body. It, it physically weighs down. And, and there are some of you who you've been walking around and you've been hiding stuff from people. You've been hiding sin from people. You haven't gone to someone and, and, and found accountability or talked to them about the issues or the struggles that you're dealing with, and you just keep tucking it away in a closet and just thinking that, oh, you know, I, I'll be able to deal with this at, at some point. What that physically does to us is it starts to break down our body. Uh, the American Science Journal or Science Society, they ended up releasing an article back in, I believe it was 2017, and they literally started to list the things that happen scientifically, because it's all about the science, right? Scientifically, what happens to your body whenever we keep secrets and we don't have a community to where we can talk about our struggles or our mess-ups. And most often, the secrets that people keep is, is some kind of sexual addiction or porn addiction, or um, they're, they're uh, unfaithful to their spouse, or it's involving money, and they're either severely in debt or they're being scandalous in stealing from an organization or from uh, a company that maybe they work for. And, and here's, here's what they found. They found that having secrets in our life and not bringing it or exposing it to the light, what it does is it brings isolation. And isolation leads to depression and a mental, um, mental struggles in our mind. And, and listen, what has been going on for the past year? Our entire world has been isolated, unless you live in Texas, right? It's, it's been isolated. And, and what are we seeing now? We are seeing a year later the mental effects upon our society, drunkenness that is through the roof, drug overdose, overdose that's through the roof, um, uh, uh, sexual addiction that is over th th through the roof, uh, marriages that are, that are falling apart because of this isolation and not being around community. Well, the same thing is whenever we isolate our body uh, or ourselves from the rest of people or we isolate stuff that we're struggling with from the rest of the people, it literally does physical damage. It also leads to anxiety. Anxiety. Uh, and this leads to insomnia. And I'm sure that some of you guys that are uh, in a house church or listening to my voice right now, you've dealt with anxiety. You've dealt with insomnia where you just can't stop thinking about the what ifs. What if somebody found out? What if something was going on in my life? What if I can't make this payment? What if um, this area of my life gets exposed? Or, or what if they say something or something happens? It's all of these scenarios. Um, and then literally, it also affects, and I thought that this was interesting, our digestive issues. 
It affects us with, with headaches, having constant headaches and migraines. Um, and in the long run of things, it will also end up shortening the span of our life, which makes sense whenever Jesus says, don't be anxious about anything. Let tomorrow take care of itself. The reason being is us being anxious, us being worried, us dealing with all of this stuff is literally breaking down our body. It's interesting that scripture talks about this, and it was written several thousand years before the medical and the science field ended up catching up to it. What are you doing right now? What do you have in your life that is breaking down your physical body that if you just talked about or you just confessed, you could get that burden off of your shoulder and you could literally start to walk in the life that God has for you, a life of freedom, a life of peace, a life of accountability, a life of fulfillment. This is why the commands of God are good for us. Because the commands of God are not there to keep us back from something. The commands of God are there for our protection so that we could enjoy life and life to the fullest. And the other thing is it does is it affects us spiritually as well. We have this nagging feeling, this guilt that starts to come in, and it starts to just, just beat down deep inside of all of us. And that's not the life that Jesus intended for you and for me. And so Jesus, he's painting this picture. He's painting this beautiful picture. I'm going to prepare a home for you. Thomas asks, how do we get to this home? And Jesus' response is, by me. By me, because I am the way for you to get home. I am the truth. I am the absolute truth. And I am the life. And I want to have you experience this life. But then he says something else as we wrap this up. No one can get to the Father except through me. And, and so there's two things I want to wrap up with as, as we start to close this out. Uh, the, the first thing is there's this false narrative that's creeping around in our society and in our culture that all truths or all religions point to the truth or all religions point to heaven. Or if we're a good enough person, then we're going to be able to get into heaven or, or we're, we're going to be okay. I hear this all the time. I've had multiple conversations with people that like, um, well, maybe what if uh, Jesus and Allah and Buddha are all the same thing and it's just a different thing to anybody else? See, here's the problem with that. All of the other religions outside of Christianity, being a disciple of Jesus Christ, it's all about you trying to obtain some kind of utopia or perfection based upon your works. And Jesus obtained this for us and is willingly giving this to us. And so think about 9-11, right? Um, 9-11, we're in New York State, and so that was very uh, a tragic event for, for many people. And some of you, you guys may be too young to even know what 9-11 was, and your parents can fill you in about that. But 9-11, do you know what the hijackers, these radical Muslims did the night before they went and they murdered themselves and killed a bunch of people, murdered a bunch of innocent people in the name of Allah? Do you know what they did the night before in Boston, Mass? They went to a fancy hotel, they went and they got drunk and ate fine food and they bought hundreds of dollars worth of pornography. And so they indulged in their flesh only to be able to wake up the next day and to radicalize their lives in the name of Allah. What did it get them? What did it get them except for destruction 
not only destruction to them, but destruction to multiple people and families, thousands of people affected by the sins of these people. Man, we need to make sure that we do not radicalize our own lives and that we turn to Jesus and that we trust into Jesus. And if we've got this fake mask that we've been putting on, allow that to become to come off so that we can truly, so that we can truly walk in the freedom. The, the other thing that I, w- I want to kind of push back a little bit is this idea of individualism that has crept up in our society. And if individualism is this um, basic definition, prioritizing yourself over others. That's it. And our society is all about prioritizing you to the point that we take this to an extreme. And and what's happened is we've made this new religion out of it by prioritizing ourselves, And and we just say stuff like, what's true for me and it may not be true for you. And and so really what that's saying is that there is absolute, there is no absolute truth, which completely contradicts the life of Jesus, completely contradicts our core tenets in our faith, completely contradicts the fact that Jesus died, was buried, rose again on the third day, and was displayed, on, uh, literally appeared in front of more than 500 people plus his disciples. And, and so Jesus, Jesus invites us, Jesus invites us into the way, which is what Christianity was called before it was ever called Christianity, the way, because it's so unique. It was so life-giving. He invites us into absolute truth, which is um, covered in grace and mercy. And he invites us into life. And ultimately for all of us, he's inviting us home. He's inviting us home. Jesus wants us to come home. And the only way for us to come home to a heavenly father who loved us so incredibly much is through the life of Jesus. And and so listen, if if you're hearing this right now and maybe you're struggling with that, maybe you're struggling. If you're in a house church, I want to encourage you guys, talk with one another, pray with one another. Maybe maybe you feel like you've you've fallen back from Christ and and you just need to re-up your commitment. I want to encourage you, man, talk with your house church. If you're watching this online right now and you're not in a house church and saying, man, I need prayer for this, or, or maybe I just need to give my life to Jesus, man, I want to give you that opportunity today. And it's very simple, recognizing that he is the way the truth and the life that no one can get to our Heavenly Father. No one can go home unless it's through Jesus Christ. It's simply this. Jesus, I give you my life. I surrender my life to you. You are Lord of my life. And listen, if you're in a house church and you're making that commitment today, please tell your house church leader, if if you're online and you're watching this and you're saying, you know what? I, I need to make, or I am making that commitment today. Man, send us an email, info at citychurchalbany.com. We would love to get connected with you. We would love to send you a, a resource uh, from a friend, a book from a friend of mine by, by Zach uh, Madalando uh, uh, called The Crosswork that talks all about how in Christ, through Christ, we are the righteousness of God. And that's what he invites us to, a life filled with hope, a life filled with peace, a life filled with choice, uh, joy. And it's because he is the way, the truth, and the life. It's all about Jesus. Let me pray for you. Father, I just thank you for everyone who is listening to this. And God, I just ask that you would just speak to them, 
Father, uh, search our hearts, search our soul, God, where we need to remove the mask, let's remove the mask. Where we need to have honest conversations, let us have honest conversation, God. Bring our church community into a place of complete freedom to where chains fall off. Bring our church community into a place of, of truth where, where you are our absolute truth. God, bring us, our church community, into a place of a life and a life more abundant and not having a bunch of fancy things, but to where we get to experience peace and love and joy and patience to be able to experience the fullness of this life here on earth, God. Father, we love you and we thank you. In Jesus' name, amen. Listen, if you're in a house church, I encourage you guys to talk about this for a few minutes. Um, we're going to sing a song, and, um, and then we'll be dismissing in just a minute. You guys can have a conversation around this. Look, City Church, I love you guys. Uh, we will see each other soon, and i um, just excited about what God is doing in this season. We'll see you soon.